1: 975 five and twelve eighty zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. We're going to talk to Dustin Smith coming up here in a moment of QB Elite. Uh, there's going to be a quarterback. Uh, well, I don't know Gordon competition down there at BYU, and we'll get his thoughts on who may emerge.
2: Yes, it is uh, the big question uh, in the uh, in the absence of Zach Wilson. So, which one of those guys is going to step up and and lead that BYU team? Kalani seems pretty optimistic. What would you expect him to be, you know, at spring practice and whatnot? But he's, he seems pretty energized by what he's saying out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't say anything else. It's kind of like that joke we always make at media day, you know, how everybody's in such a good mood because nobody's lost yet. I want to see the coach that comes into media day and be like, oh, man, we're going to stink this year. <laughs>
2: What's the use? <laughs> I think
1: we may lose double digits this year. It looks that bad.
2: Well, the schedules for BYU and Utah are out now, and uh, they, you know, that uh, that BYU schedule is is not easy.
1: All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, owner of QB Elite, and of course, head coach at Spanish Fork. He's Dustin Smith with us here on the Big Show. Hi, Dustin.
3: Hey guys, how you doing?
1: Doing great. Thanks for jumping on with us. We're just talking about, you know. Off-season in football, when you have a quarterback competition to follow, like we've got one at BYU, it always makes the off-season a little more interesting.
3: Yeah, and it seems to be that at BYU, it's extra interesting when it's there, right? Everybody seems to be a topic all the time, and and, um, the one going on at BYU right now in particular I think is going to be an interesting one, but one that I think BYU fans should be uh optimistic that they at least have some guys that have proven to be able to to play a little bit it's they've got a little bit of you know of experience and when they did get it they they showed well so i think they're in good hands the as gordon just mentioned the schedule they have and you know that's going to really test them out of the
2: gate but i think they've got some good arms down there for sure how difficult is it to differentiate between if, if these guys are all about the same how do you pick
3: yeah, well, that's a good question. They're, they're 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 all about the same in in several areas, but they're every guy has you know something 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 different in them that, depending on the head coach or the offensive coordinator, you know, is really important to them. Whether that's you know their presence in the meeting rooms or in the locker room, you know their leadership ability, their ability to command the team and and hold the room when they when they're in it. Um, that's a big part of it. You know, especially if it's sixes as far as their, you know, their talent level. But in the case of BYU, I think you have, you know, three guys that are all uh, very good leaders. Um, In the case of Jaron and and Baylor, in particular, they've played and done well, and they've got the the support of of the coaches and the players. So that's going to be a tough one because of that. Um, They're both pretty sharp guys. I think it'll. You know, the differentiation between the two will be the athleticism of Jaron.
1: So let's talk a little bit more about Jaron Hall. You mentioned his athleticism, and we've seen him play uh, a few games, obviously, for BYU. Give us kind of your overall thoughts on him as a quarterback and his ability to take it to the next level.
3: Well, the question I had on Jaron when, you know, when he Coming out of high school and and I know him very well and and had you know gotten to to see his development pretty closely was how it would transition over to you know uh, the decision making part of it would transf transfer over into the college um, because there's a lot of really good high school quarterbacks that can run and and can make throws and can be electric on a Friday night on a high school field but at the college level and everything speeds up and, and there's the offenses get a little bit more complicated and the defenses are a little, you know, faster, they can struggle. And, and I was interested to see how he would handle that from a throwing perspective. I didn't worry about his ability to make plays cause he's just such an athletic uh, uh, player, but would he be able to make the right throw and not force throws, not get uh, nervous and feel like he had to make every play and, and then, you know, force balls and throw interceptions and things. And the pleasant thing with Jaron was how calm and collected he seemed when he was out there. He, he didn't uh, rush. He didn't, you know, make rash decisions that cost the team. And, and when he, when he had the time to get the ball off, he, he made all the throws and he was very accurate decision-making was really well. And, or did he did really well with his decision-making. And then when he had to take off and use his legs, you know, he was able to do it. I, I hope he doesn't have to do that a lot. Uh, anymore because of the injury uh, danger with him that he doesn't take too many hits but I think BYU fans have to be extremely um, pleased with the fact that if, if he ends up being the guy they've they've at least got a little bit of a of a scouting report on him and it was a good one he did well and, and so did Romney and his opportunity.
2: What do you know about Jacob Conover? I mean, this kid four-star recruit uh, out of Chandler High School, uh, won three st- straight state titles down there. I mean, does this kid have uh, the it factor?
3: I don't know him personally and have just seen some things on film, but I trust that you know Ty uh, Detmer was the one who recruited him, and I trust Ty's evaluation of quarterbacks. You know, Ty started this quarterback elite business with me uh, years ago, and and I believe Ty to be the you know the smartest quarterback mind I've ever been around and so when Ty uh, pulls the trigger on a guy like that you um, he's seeing something in him that impressed him so you know what I've been able to see on film with him he's got a really big arm he he made good decisions again though no, it's just such a it, it's until I see a kid do it and against a college team it's I've seen so many really good arms at high school level and uh, kids who can, you know, look great in in T-shirt and shorts. But when they're out there in front of, you know, thousands of people and TV cameras and and the game speeds up like it does, uh, it's a different deal. And so I think he he shows all the tools and seems to have all the characteristics to be able to be, you know, successful at the college level. So, again, to have a – however you want to rank the three, I think he would be – third in the in the list right now um if he's your third string quarterback i think it's that's a great position to be in because he's a he's a heck of a player who turned down some pretty good schools to come to byu
1: dustin uh, i hope this question makes sense but what what are coach roderick and coach satake looking for uh in a quarterback what are some of the attributes you think they'd be looking for
3: i think the number one is decision making um you know that there's there's Really, four characteristics of an elite level quarterback at whatever level, um, and, and if you look at the very best in the game, whether that's you know Tom Brady or Johnny Unitas or Aaron Rodgers and Joe Montana, the, the best of the best, or you know even down to the high school level, the best seem to be really strong in four areas: their decision making, their timing, their accuracy, and their their toughness, uh, just their their grittiness about them. Uh, when the chips are on the line and, they, and you got to, you know, kind of knuckle down and 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 just ball out. And um, I think in the case of, of BYU, uh, they just watched Zach Wilson demonstrate all four of those areas at a very very high level. And quarterbacks in the past who have come through through BYU who have been successful uh, were that way as well. And uh, so my guess is in the case of these guys they're wanting to make sure they're not going to, you know, make a, make a tough play against some of these better teams they're playing this year in particular, you know, they got to be able to understand sometimes the best pass is to throw it away. You know, it's to, it's to punt the ball. It's not to force stuff and turn the ball over when you're playing teams who are electric, like these teams they have on, on their roster or on their schedule this year, you can't make a lot of stupid mistakes trying to make every play and so sometimes, you know, staying within yourself and and, and punning the ball is because you threw it away or you you know you ran the ball and slid and just lived to play another down. You know that's decision making, that's managing and keeping your team in a game. And and then when the shots are there, having the guts to take them, and then having the timing and the accuracy to be able to you know put the ball on people when when you need to and. and and take advantage of of the defenses. But the real separating factor, again, between all of these guys at every level is there's a lot of kids who can throw the ball with velocity and they can throw it accurate and they they can make pretty good decisions. But do they have the mental toughness and the the sort of the moxie about them to be able to have a team follow them into battle? and, And when they've thrown an interception or two early in the game, Does it get in their head and and does the moment swallow them or can they stay in it and and finish and and get better as the game goes on? And that's the real, you know, the factor that separates the the really good quarterbacks from the the great ones.
2: Now, uh, there was a word that, that I didn't hear you say. If you did say it, I'm sorry I missed it, but it's athleticism. How important is that? It's obviously
3: important, but I think at the quarterback position, uh, you know, we, we've seen
2: quarterbacks
3: be really successful that aren't your traditional athletes. If I mean, you know, I, I guess people can define athleticism differently. I would I would say that Tom Brady, if you lined him up and had him run a, a foot race against somebody, is gonna not look like he's very athletic. But part of being athlete or part of being athletic is. I think also the you know the mental side of things and and body control and balance and some of those things that a guy like Tom Brady is is excellent at. He's not going to kill you with his feet, just like Peyton Manning didn't do. So, um, if you have a guy that can do, you have to have so, you have to have some athleticism to play quarterback. I mean, it's it's it, you may not see a guy running all over the field like a Patrick Mahomes or or somebody, and it doesn't necess- that doesn't mean he's not a, a good athlete. Joe Montana was. Joe Montana was a much more athletic quarterback than people get him credit for because he was followed by Steve Young. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't get as much credit for how athletic he is and how well he moves because of some of the just crazy athletes that are in the NFL right now at quarterback. But he's he's extremely athletic. Um, at the college level, depending on the offense you're running, where the quarterbacks, they're all asked to do a little bit more now than I think they were asked to do 20 years ago with uh, with their feet. Um, you'd like a guy that can extend plays and, and occasionally pick up yards for you with his legs. And I think in the case of BYU they have three guys that are all good athletes, but Jaron is by far the most athletic of the three. He's he's a special kind of athlete.
1: Uh how do you think Zach Wilson's going to adjust to the NFL game? I think Zach's gonna do great. I you know,
3: I I really get frustrated by I'm glad that the people who know better are seeing the, the skill set in him, and and he's obviously projected to go pretty high, and and uh, I, I think he's earned that. I, I get frustrated by the, the people who hammer on, well, he didn't do it against you know, the, the really good teams, or who did he play against, and you know because that argument I think is so tired. There's there's a lot of NFL football players who have and quarterbacks who have had um, Hall of Fame years, all pro type years. I mean, Kurt Warner didn't play against anybody in college, and Brett Favre was at Southern Mississippi, and Josh Allen was at Wyoming. And, um, you know, there's Steve Young was at BYU, and they weren't playing the kind of schedule they're playing now. Um, he was playing what would be considered, and even at the time, fairly mediocre teams um, in comparison to the to the big conferences and things, but you you can see talent, whether you're people who know the game can spot talent. And Zach Wilson has all of the traits that you need to be a successful quarterback. He's, he's got an unbelievable arm. He's extremely accurate. He's smart. The, the knock on him last year at this time, it's, it's interesting if you go back and read articles on Zach last year, when they were, they, there was even talk about is most people expect Zach to be the guy, but there were those people who thought Jaron, might be the guy there's a little bit of a who's going to be the the guy at BYU last fall and the knock on Zach was he forces things sometimes he's a little bit of a gunslinger he's got you know too much of that Brett Favre mentality in him the big play the home run or the strikeout type and and what did he do this year he went out and hardly turned the ball over at all and and showed his ability to make good decisions and and to control it and he's he's such an a a great leader. He's been that way since he was a a kid. And so I think he's going to adjust well to the NFL. And I think he's going to have a long career in the NFL.
2: I saw a, a, a opinion piece on a number of football experts who were breaking down what Zach could do at the NFL level. And this one guy was really high on him. And he said, as far as the knock goes, on the level of competition uh, that Cougars played. Well, his point was, well, look at the overall athleticism of some of uh, Zach's receivers. And he I don't think he was trying to knock uh, the receivers, but he was comparing them to, say, some of the receivers that uh, Lawrence might have uh, had and sure. guys who were, like, open by seven yeah. yards, you know. Yeah. And uh, he said his point was that Zach's uh, windows were considerably smaller and I thought that was an interesting uh, point of view
3: yeah the, the better your receivers are obviously the better the the quarterback's going to look and and you know some of these guys like Lawrence I mean he had he had you well know, probably eight deep on that team of wide receivers that would have all been just the number one guy at BYU and he had Guys that were backups that were, you know, that that type. They were just so athletic and they're 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 so good. And not that BYU don't. I mean, like you said, they they have they had some really good receivers last year. But you're right. Um, but again, when you watch the throws, the types of throws, the body control, the decisions that he had to make, and 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 the one and how he made them, and then the throws that he executed, uh, whether or not you're playing you know, the schedule they played last year, you were playing a, you know, an SEC team, the throw still the throw and and the the accuracy and velocity and the timing in which he got rid of it and the decision that he made. I sure there's going to be a jump. There's a jump for, there'll be a jump for any quarterback, whether you played it You know USC or Alabama or whatever. When you get up to the NFL, there's a massive jump, but it's the same thing in every sport, right? There was a major jump for Damian Lillard, but people could see that he was a heck of a basketball player at Weber State, and after he kind of figured it out, he became what he did in the NBA. And and that'll take Zach a minute to probably get used to that, which would be expected. Um, But he'll adjust just like he made the jump from you know from high school to college. I think he'll make the jump to the NFL and. Like I said, I think he'll he'll have a long career.
1: Well, Dustin, thanks for jumping on with us. We really appreciate the insight. Thanks, man. All
3: right.
2: Thanks, guys. Take care.
1: That's Dustin Smith, owner of QB Elite and head coach of Spanish Fork. Go Dons.
2: I've heard a number of people who are quarterback experts uh, make that same list, and it was something quite similar to what he said as far as uh, – You know, uh, decision-making is so very important for a quarterback. And if you've got the other stuff, too, then good on you. But uh, if you don't have that, it doesn't matter. Some of those other things don't matter nearly as much.
1: I like my quarterbacks reckless with a bad arm. (laughs) Dumb as rocks.
2: (laughs) That sounds like a winning formula. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so.
1: That's how the Lions have done things for a while. That is how they've done things for a while.
2: <laughs> that's not true.
1: Okay, the Bears. Okay, the Bears. That's probably a better example. Yeah. Give me a it's quarterback fun. that's not smart enough to spell his own name. And, and he doesn't see the just field a,
2: well.
1: <laughs> just a noodle arm. Yeah, half-blind would be great.
2: <laughs> a farsighted doesn't, guy. Th- doesn't know the playbook worth it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Bad hands, uh, can't run.
2: Who's the best dumb Has an inner ear problem, so he has no balance. Vertigo. Who's the best dumb quarterback you ever saw play?
1: I don't know. I have no idea, Gordon. I don't know enough quarterbacks personally where I feel comfortable making that judgment. (laughs) You?
2: I don't know. (laughs) Oh, was um, oh, oh, I thought oh, you were I'll saying Gordon was around team. here.
1: We go with the the wonder scores, I guess, but I don't know if that's a, a, you know an accurate assessment of somebody's person camera. Oh, no. yeah.
2: All right then. <laughs> you aren't well. <laughs> okay, I don't want to. You know that's really bad. We have those we have those scores, and some of them are not are, aren't very high, and it's like it condemns someone for the rest of their life as being dumb. You, you get, asked
1: the question. Yeah, what'd you get on the SAT? And yeah, by the way, you did ask the SAT, question. the SAT?
2: The Wonderly test of I
1: know, right? I know, but isn't that the same thing? It? Isn't that the same thing as the SAT?
2: Have you ever taken it?
1: I've gone through it, I guess. I've never yeah, officially I've, taken it.
2: I took it. I, I, I scored okay. Did you? Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm yeah
1: exactly. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not an accurate assessment, and it's just a shame we use uh, these sorts of things to measure someone's intellect, but, you know, I took it, and I did great.
2: <laughs> I mean, when I took it, it's not like there was a lot of pressure involved, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, it's just terrible that they even do it, but yeah, I nailed it.
2: No, I'm just saying that when you think of some of the players who've come through and scored in single digits on that thing, that kind of Hung over them for a long
1: while. Oh, all I was saying was the SAT is the same thing, right? You stay up well, one night, well, all night playing video games, bomb the SAT, and next thing you know, it's community college for me.
2: Isn't it, aren't the SATs a little more comprehensive than the Wonderlook test?
1: Nah. <laughs> Longer, maybe. <laughs> all right.
2: You know, I've, I've known some people who didn't score all that well on that test and end up being really good At what they did. And then the other people I've known who uh, really just aced, aced those tests and, you know, kind of, I don't know. It's tricky. It's trying to, to assign a number to somebody is, is, you better be careful with that.
1: All right, we'll get to more coming up next. Kenneth Scott is going to jump on the show. We'll talk to him about youth football, what uh, he appreciated about a good receiving coach, as Utah's in the market for a new one of those. Bowler will jump on with us at the top of the five o'clock hour. Stay tuned. It's the big show 97.5 and 1280 the zone.
0: This is DJ and PK
1: joined now by David Aldridge. He is the editor-in-chief of The Athletic
3: D.C. How much is it still a concern as far as this being a welcoming place for African-Americans? To me, the thing that's interesting is that the Jazz have convinced all of their black players of significance on the roster to not just stay, but to sign long-term contracts to remain there. Those players over the last three to five years have really Embrace not just the notion of playing on a good team, but to make a long term commitment to the franchise and to the city. And I think that's significant.
0: Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Every thing gonna be right.
1: Rise up this morning. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott 97.5, and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Total request Tuesday. This one goes out to Sven. This was going to be mine too. And Rod, by the way. Songs that make you think everything's going to be okay. And especially because today, Gordon, Bunny Whaler died. The uh, last surviving member of uh, the, the Whalers. Of course, Bob Marley and the Whalers. That was pretty sad, I thought.
2: Huh. I uh, did not know that. How old was he?
1: 78, I think. And I I had seen Bunny Whaler in, in concert too. So that
2: was Oh really. That was pretty oh. cool.
1: Of course was it was a good show. Yeah. It was uh, well the Whalers were Bob Marley, Peter Tosh and Bunny Whaler. And uh, both Tosh and Marley passed a long time ago, obviously. Mm-hmm. Tosh's was tragic. I read into that a little bit today when I saw the news of, of Bunny Whaler come across. Peter he was shot uh, being robbed in his own home. It was really oh, horrible. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, so I thought that was pretty sad. But that song always makes you feel good, right?
2: I think so. Yeah, that's a good one.
1: It's upbeat. The lyrics are good. Good perspective. I like Austin's Total Request today. But I did think it's a sad day. Bunny Wailer died. Are you a big reggae guy?
2: Uh, I've been to Jamaica a number of times, and I've always enjoyed hearing that music, especially in that environment.
1: So so yes, but only when you're on an exotic vacation?
2: No, just because that always reminds me of, of Bob Marley. And, uh, yeah, I, and that's good music to relax to.
1: <laughs> yes, because of your exotic vacation.
2: <laughs> no. No. No? No. No, just being on the beach and being in Bob Marley's uh, home country.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, there you go. It's a Total Request Tuesday. Songs that remind you everything's going to be all right. Songs that are Okay. We're going to talk to uh, Kenneth Scott, former Ute wide receiver, coming up here momentarily. Bowler will be on with us at 5. Austin's list at 550. And uh, hopefully we'll run out of time, but maybe a, a not sports port at 450.
2: What do you mean, hopefully we'll run out of time? Huh?
1: <laughs> well, you know, Kenneth's very interesting. I'm just hoping we take, you know, plenty of time with <laughs> Kenneth. That's all. Okay. That's, a, that's all I'm saying. And if, if right, the not sports right. port happens to get boxed out, well, you know. This, uh, <laughs>
2: don't need to compete you know I'll, I'll make it short if you want a short
1: let's get out of the zone phone joining us now former Ute wide receiver Kenneth Scott with us here back on the big show hi Kenneth how are you
4: man how's everything with you guys I am good my way and glad to be on here on the big show with the big people so this is awesome
1: <laughs> hey thanks we appreciate you jumping on it's it it uh it's always a pleasure to get your perspective and and hey there's never a bad time to talk a little football right
4: Oh, never, never a bad time. And now it's year round because of this COVID situation, you know, with the it's the D one
2: double A school yeah. the, in spring ball. Weber hey, State's one and Can't, 0. can't blame. Yeah. Right? Okay. And they balled out, so can't complain. Kenneth, <laughs> let me let me ask you a question. Uh sorry for butting in front of you there, Jake. But we yeah. were just talking about quarterbacks and what makes quarterbacks great. From a receiver standpoint, if you were to list maybe your three top qualities of a quarterback, in order of importance, what would those three be? As far as
4: a quarterback, you said? Yeah. Um, I think the first one is obviously his uh, mental capacity. He has to be mentally tough because through through spurts of the game, there's going to be a lot of um, you know adversity that he's going to have to face. So mentally he has to be prepared through that um, to overcome those adversity points. Um, so mentally is first one. Um, next one's emotionally, just same kind of in the same category as that. But you know you can't get too high, you can't get too low. So mentally has to be there. Emotionally, he has to be able to remain calm, cool, calm, calm and collected, so that the other people on the team can't waver when things get bad, and also make sure things are in line so they don't get too high. And the last quality, obviously, which kind of wraps them all up, is uh, you know, be having the leadership qualities, um, be able to rally your guys, challenging them. Um, to be the best that they can be, uh, you know, even if things are down, still challenging them, right, and making them compete with one another. And so, I think those uh, three cat well, three qualities kind of result into one. But those are some great qualities you know, to have at a QB position.
2: I noticed you didn't say strong arm or you know accuracy or the physical things. That's interesting.
4: Right. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean you know, those physical tools matter, but if you don't have the mental tools there to equip yourself with, I mean, those physical don't really matter that much, you know. So, uh, first, start off with the head. But if we're talking in terms of body and the physical skills, um, obviously uh, arm power is is great, right? You can stick the ball in in between those tight spaces really quick, really rapidly, um, sticking in places that people, you know, can't get their hands on as far as defenders is concerned. Um, Having knowledge of defensive concepts, I believe being smart is, is really cool just in case. Um, you know, a quarterback, you know, they open up pre-snap and too high, and then when the snapper ball comes, they, they drop that safety down. Now you have a single high coverage. Now who you go to? Now your reads are a little bit different. So being able to have a strong arm and obviously being smart about looking at the certain concepts is another tool to have. Um, you got to be tough, man. <laughs> I know our football program, Utah, and you got to be tough. And so um, those are like three, you know, uh, three things that I think bodes well for a QB, tough, smart, and uh, have the arm strength.
1: And <laughs> accuracy is pretty important, too. I, I want to ask you about being a wide receiver on a Coach Whittingham team. And the reason I'm asking, uh, Utah, as you probably know, has uh, lost a couple of, of pretty dynamic receivers to the transfer portal in the last couple of weeks. And Guy Holiday was on our station. He's now the former receivers coach at Utah, as you know. And he was on our station earlier today. And he alluded about, he didn't mention these guys specifically, but he alluded that, you know, young receivers these days want the ball and they want to make it to the NFL Mm -hmm. and Utah under coach Whittingham has not traditionally had an offense that really highlights wide receivers you know it's a run team can you talk about you know being a a receiver and a productive receiver on a coach Whittingham Utah team
4: yeah you know to his point you know he makes a valid point you know kids nowadays they want the the glory right The, the the statistics part Right? because you get the statistics, you get the notoriety. People think you're better than what you actually really are. You know, I, I've seen it myself. I, I mentioned it a lot of times when I was a player. You know, you can have a guy that's not really that talented, but he gets the ball thrown to him a lot, and therefore people think he's a great receiver because of statistics. But really, in a deterrent, he's just getting the ball a lot. doesn't mean he's a great receiver. You know what I'm saying? But uh, but I totally agree. You know, kids nowadays, they, they're all about the fanciness. And so what you try to apply to them is that um, – you know, when it comes to Utah and our football program, you got to think outside yourself, really. That's really what it boils down to. And you can try to convince a kid, you know, uh, you know, to, to think differently, uh, but you really have to know the kid and understand his pain points as to why he's going to choose a school um, to kind of really deep dive and tell him, like, hey, listen, stats are great, brother. Don't get me wrong. You get injured one time, how much do those stats really going to matter? Right? And so having a program, like for me, you know, being in the system, uh, made me a better person. You know, I had to be out of that selfish mindset of, you know, it's not all about me. I've wanted the ball 20 times a game. Heck yeah, I did. But, you know, I understood the bigger picture. I understood what we were trying to achieve, what our system was, and how I can be able to best fit in that system and obviously do it 110%. You know, I wasn't always be able to have, uh, to be the X receiver, uh, quote unquote. But, you know, the Z receiver has just as much responsibility on the backside making sure those blocks get done for the running back to be able to, uh, push off on the front side so he can get that amount of yardage. So, you know, when it comes to our program, like you said, yeah, kids nowadays, they want to have the glory and the stats, but um, I learned the hard lessons of those glories and stats don't matter unless you're playing. And when you get injured a couple of times, <laughs> you got to think of what's what's afterwards. And so um, Coach Holiday's is a great guy. Don't get me wrong. Like he's a great guy. Her character is out the ceiling and he's very personable and I love him for that. And so that's one of the things that you know, when it comes to me and and I, I, like, talk to him, like, that's one of the things I take from him, like, man, being really personal and being really relatable to all his players, like, he really feels like a a father figure out there, and so uh, I admire him for everything that he's done, you know, even from afar, when he was at BYU, (laughs) and we were playing him in the Vegas ball. I even went there before the game, just to chop it up with him, he's just, like, an awesome guy, and he was giving me tips and tricks, but... Um, but aside from that, I'm sorry I went on candid, but candid, uh, but, yeah, he's a great guy. I love him to death. He's, he's awesome. But um, as far as us as a receiver group, um, it's just got to be being able to buy into the process and buy into our system, doing it the Utah way, which is all in or you're in the way. And so that's really what it is.
2: Kenneth, were you surprised that he was let go?
4: I was. Uh, when I, I didn't really know he was let, I didn't know he was let go until – Twitter, <laughs> take notice and uh, start, uh, you know, saying stuff. So you know, I was surprised, um, but at the end of the day, you got to understand the nature of the business. This isn't going to be his last job. I tell you that. Um, this isn't going to be his last job. Um, but I was surprised for sure.
1: What do you think goes into and Coach Holiday aside, of course. But what do you think goes into an effective position coach, wide receivers or otherwise?
4: Uh, for me. Um, the first one has to be relatability. Um, you've got to be able to connect with your players on little all levels. And the reason why I say you've got to connect with them and, and understand what, they, what their pain points is so you can dig a little deeper so they can give you that little extra oomph. Uh, for instance, when I was under Coach Rod, you know, he knew all about my family. He knew what made me tick. And so that made me want to work even harder. I knew what, he knew what sacrifices I had live out on the, you know, back home. And so he used that to, which is my second point, challenge me right and so he challenged me every day not only to be better than Drez or reggie or anybody else on my position group but to be the better version of myself and that's ultimately what you want you know have someone that you can be relatable to challenge you um and also hold you accountable for it as well and um and be open and honest and uh teach you the fundamentals of the game you know in all aspects and so uh, to me, I think the first one is relatability. Second one would be uh, challenge, right? Challenge-oriented, um, being open and honest is be the third one. Uh, they're not really in the order, but the fourth one would be like uh, fundamentally sound, teaching you the right things, the right techniques to make you the best person. Not really a, a widespread type of technique, but you know, a different brushstroke for every person, right, to fit their qualities and fit their abilities um, to teach them. And so, I think those are some good qualities, um, you know that. A coach you know, is a good foundation for a coach, a new coach to get somebody a new height.
2: So so you have the uh, the benefit, looking back, uh, of maturity and understanding the things that you already talked about when Jake asked you about playing at Utah. Uh, let me circle back on that and ask you, if you were a young kid coming out of high school or wherever, and a hotshot receiver, is Utah a place you would consider it given the way the, uh, uh, the preference seems to be to the running game, or would you kind of shy away from that because of everything that you talked about earlier about wanting the ball?
4: You know, so that's a difficult question for me personally because in high school I didn't have it like that. I'm a, I was, I've always been a guy that's been a part of great running football teams, so I understand the dynamic of it. So it's kind of a hard question for me to answer But uh, it just depends on the background of the athlete. Everyone's different. Like for me, I'm okay with, you know, give me about five, seven touches, uh, put me in the right position, let me run some post routes, let me run some slant routes, let me run some stick routes, get you the ball, because I know what type of uh, receiver I am. And so it really truly depends on the receiver type you're talking to. So for me, that system fit me. We just needed more opportunities. Right. The, the, our football program that fit me, like like as far as possession wise, like going across the middle, hitting the sticks, throwing it in the red zone. Like that, that system fit me. As far as a person like dress, for instance, the Dennis Erickson year, that system fit him. That's why he was so successful. Uh, the year with Tim Patrick uh, went off. You know, that system fit him. So it just it it kind of differs between different receivers. Uh, so that's why the question is kind of hard to say. Uh, depending on, but if, if I were a recruit, depending on what type of receiver I would be and where I want to go, that kind of, so it's, I'm sorry to kind of like neglect the question away, but it's kind of hard to answer, you know what I'm saying? Just because of those statistics. Well, I so if a receiver wants to just be statistically going, right. You're not, probably so probably not. So, but if it fits in your measurements as far as like your skill set. Right, like I was explaining, my skill set fit the system, so I was comfortable with it. Right, so it just depends on receiving.
1: Well, Kenneth, thank you for jumping on the show. Austin was telling us uh, you went through it uh, with that uh, that winter weather down there in Texas. You guys uh, come through it all right? Luckily,
4: I am. We're we're good now. Luckily, good. I have a great general contractor who came literally the night of when I, when our kitchen ceiling just shot down, like, and oh the water gosh. just spurring wow. everywhere. Yeah. Oh, I called him up. He came over. Literally the next morning, we start working, demoing everything, and now it looks like nothing ever happened. Wow. So I'm grateful.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Well, we're glad, uh, glad you came through that all right for sure, and we're always glad when you can jump on the show. Kenneth, thank you very much.
4: I appreciate you guys. You guys take care.
1: You too. That's Kenneth Scott, former wide receiver at the University of Utah, and we love it when he does come by the show. Certainly always been a a, a smart uh, guy who's really good at uh, getting his point across, very clear, and, and uh, always fun to have on the show. He was fun to have on the show when he was playing.
2: Yeah, yeah, here, here, good all the way around. Man, I'm glad he made it through that storm yeah, down there. I mean, rough. that was – when it's colder in, in Dallas than it is in Salt Lake City, you know that things are a little upside down from that uh, standpoint. But with all the attendant problems down there with the power and all that, that was a scary, scary time for folks.
1: Not Sportsport coming up next. Bowler at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280
0: The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: by lightning sounds pretty frightening but you know the Big show Gordon Monson Jake Scott 975 and 1280 the zone it is time for the not sports report brought to you by the LHM used car supermarket over 1000 used vehicles and inventory shop online lhmusedcars.com Gordon where are we going today
2: We're going down under we're going to Australia okay Jake, you are a wedding expert, so I saved this question for you. I want to know what you think. How many weddings have you gone to? Oh, well, you think dozens? How many would you guess? Over thirty? Oh yeah, you've performed
1: 30. a few too, haven't I you? I have. Yeah, I've done six.
2: So you're 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 an expert on this question. So I I want to find out from you whether two couples in uh, in Sydney, Australia, uh, made a mistake. Okay. Apparently, the one couple, were, they were getting married. It was their wedding day. And at the reception, they planned this out with uh, a friend that, uh, unbeknownst to a, a, a friend who was a woman, uh, this was their plan. When at, In the reception, when it came time for the bride of the day to throw the bouquet uh, over her, shoulder and you know the the tradition is whoever catches it is supposedly the next one to go down the aisle right uh-huh so the bride went to throw the bouquet and she instead she turned around walked over to her friend handed her the bouquet and spun her around and another friend of theirs was kneeling there to propose to said individual well they the, the couple thought this would be a great romantic way uh, to share the day or whatever but apparently online somebody videoed it and they posted it online and the couples are, are being slammed for taking the attention off the bride and the groom of the day and I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on that is that appropriate is that okay to do that or is there a problem
1: uh yeah there's there's a problem I mean the day is supposed to be about the one couple not the other
2: but but the the, the couple that, whose wedding day it was signed off on it
1: eh, I don't know it's still uncouth I even if I were the couple proposing I wouldn't want to be a part of somebody else's day No. I mean there's a reason that if you're a guest at the wedding you don't wear, wear white. <laughs>
2: Okay. Well, apparently a lot of people online agree with you because the couples were being absolutely slammed. But a few people stuck up for them and said, hey, I think it's a beautiful day of love. And uh, what what's wrong with sharing it with uh, with good friends? But other people said, if anybody tried this at my wedding, there would be, a, there'd be a, a punch out, essentially.
1: I don't know about a punch out, but yeah, I think the wedding day should be about the couple. I mean, if there's ever a day to be about those two individuals.
2: It's what, the, 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 yeah, the one was, now just why would you let him propose on your wedding day if I were her, I'd ruin her wedding and her baby shower and her bridal party. <laughs> so I don't know. I didn't know it was such a sensitive thing. I, I did know that obviously it's a big day for the bride in particular. And, uh, but... But, I, I, you know, I didn't know you had to be that protective of the whole thing, so I thought I would ask the expert you.
1: I think it's probably a pretty good idea to keep that whole event, surround, or you know, uh, focused on the, the two people it's meant for.
0: Right? Nah, that's why I go to every wedding with one of those propeller beanies and a kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> Cause what? Because if I'm going to be there, I'm going to make it worth my time.
1: People are going to know I was there.
2: All right. You want some attention? Uh, hey, a, happy wedding! <laughs> I'll like
1: never forget it. I like it.
2: Uh, have you ever have you ever seen anything really crazy at a wedding? Uh, all these weddings you've been to, Jake? Uh, anything unexpected happen or funny?
1: Uh, lots of funny stuff. Suppose some unexpected. I don't know. I'd have to think about it a little bit. Mm,
2: okay. Anyway, all right. Well, I'm glad we got that straightened out. So all y'all out there, anybody who's try, trying to stage such a thing, Jake says thumbs down.
1: All right. Bowler is going to join the show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
2: Now let's get this party started. Uh-huh.
0: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
2: You can do everything perfect against this Jazz team, but they really do have the versatility to flip your script on you and hurt you another way. That's the part of this I've been really impressed with Quinn and his staff is they have a game plan in place. And where Quinn has been
4: unbelievably good is they get into that locker room and they come out in the third quarter and they have seen what this team's doing, maybe some wrinkles they didn't prepare for, and the Jazz have been so good coming out of the half. It does take a great effort to beat this team, and, you know, that's just to beat them one time. You get into a series, we all know how those series go. It's all momentum, but at the end of the day, it's a deeper team uh, and more talented team obviously will prevail, so that bodes well for the Jazz.
0: Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports
1: Network.